0: Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. The closing of Backpage.com back in 2018 elicited a lot of interesting questions that we're still grappling with today. Like, what is the balance between freedom and safety online? Should there be a place where sex workers can safely vet potential clients? What responsibility does a platform have to moderate user-generated content? Today, we've got an interview that answers one question. What did it take to bring Backpage down? After years of accusations that the site was involved in sex trafficking, its CEO instead pleaded guilty to money laundering and conspiracy to facilitate prostitution. Maggie Krell was instrumental in that. She is a former California state prosecutor who was involved in the case and author of the book Taking Down Backpage. And she tells NPR's Rachel Martin about the delicate balance of going after Backpage while also using it to prosecute traffickers.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Noom. Noom understands that not everyone is starting from the same place and takes that into account. With their first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, you can find 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: Maggie Krell knew it wasn't going to be just another case. The former California state prosecutor was going after one of the largest sex trafficking websites in the world. It was called Backpage, and in large part because of Krell's effort, it's been shut down since 2018. She tells the story of that remarkable case in a new book called Taking Down Backpage, Fighting the World's Largest Sex Trafficker. In a plea deal with prosecutors, the CEO admitted to conspiracy to facilitate prostitution and money laundering. He testified against the two men who founded the site with him. Late last year, a federal judge declared a mistrial in that case. A new trial is expected next month. A warning, this conversation is not appropriate for all listeners. Maggie Crowell says she didn't go after Backpage because of consensual commercial sex. It was about selling children for sexual activity. The
3: youngest victim that was part of our case was uh, 12 years old. We saw the majority of the victims were teenagers, kids that had run away from home. Kids that were failed in various ways by the child welfare system, some of them had already suffered sexual abuse in their own homes before being trafficked on the streets and through Backpage, victims who had been forced and coerced into being advertised on that site against their will.
2: So at one point, as you're putting this all together, the Attorney General of California at the time, Kamala Harris, now the Vice President, pushed you on on why you thought you could bring convictions against these guys, uh, the founders and owner, when so far they had evaded state or federal charges.
3: Um, Sure. I mean, definitely, you know, a a big high-profile case like that, could we prove this case beyond a reasonable doubt? Did we have a good faith belief that we could convict these defendants? And that was something that needed to be explained, to the attorney general's executive team, and eventually to the attorney general herself. But she was very focused on combating human trafficking. This was a top priority for her, and she was excited about the prospect of being able to arrest the owners of Backpage.
2: But there were a lot of really big obstacles here, right? Explain what was so hard about this case.
3: Well, it's really, it's the Communications Decency Act. The Communications Decency Act has been interpreted broadly to protect websites from liability based on content that's been posted by third-party users. This was passed in Congress in 1996, when the internet was really in its infancy, and the point was to allow for some moderation, but also to protect
2: the free exchange of ideas on the internet. So how did this apply in your effort to bring sex trafficking charges against Backpage?
3: Backpage had successfully invoked the Communications Decency Act Immunity Statute multiple times against civil cases. Um, We wanted to make the point that a criminal case was different. Ultimately, we weren't able to attack from that angle, and our our successful case was using money laundering charges. That was in 2018. I would say that today we have somewhat of a changing legal landscape. Um, In 2018, the president signed the FOSTA-SESTA Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act, which provides a specific provision that exempts sex trafficking charges from the Communications Decency Act's otherwise broad immunity. So as we're seeing this shifting legal landscape, and then also, you know, kind of a shift here in our in our cultural landscape with the Me Too movement and high-profile and successful sex abuse prosecutions against. You know, Harvey Weinstein and R. Kelly, and just recently the Nassar case, where decades of sexual abuse that had been swept up under the rug were un- uncovered, and so that's really helped shed a light, encouraged more people to come forward, and you know helped us all be less tolerant. I still
2: don't understand how this site, the owners, how they were allowed to run this with basic, you know, with impunity. I mean. They they sort of even trolled the federal government when Carl Ferrer was arrested, the chief executive of Backpage. Investigators found a certificate on his wall that said something like, "You know, to honor you for for all your cooperation and help with federal authorities." What's that about?
3: That's right. I you know I was part of the team that went into his office, and I remember um, seeing that certificate. Backpage really um, did the bare minimum to kind of appease law enforcement. I mean, we had cases, sex trafficking cases for sure, where we would subpoena the ads from Backpage to get more information about, you know, where the victims were being posted and what the transactions were, and Backpage would cooperate. But they never did anything to prevent sex trafficking, and they did everything they could to continue to expand and benefit from it. Um, And I, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying that, They certainly got away with this for too long. But, um, you know, for almost four years now, they have been shut down. And that CEO, Carl Fair, that you mentioned, you know, is a convicted felon, um, multiple felonies in multiple states.
2: You write in the book about the the complicated dynamic between uh, you as a state prosecutor and your team and federal authorities, the FBI, that the FBI was perhaps hesitant to go after the owners of Backpage, because that site gave them a wide aperture um, into smaller criminal rings, right? And they didn't want that to go away. That's right. I understood that well. We certainly
3: used Backpage as an information source for other sex trafficking cases. But it got to a point where Backpage, almost the kind of the snitch on all of these other uh, trafficking rings, was you know, the largest criminal in the ring. Their, their multi-million dollar handle was more than any other trafficker that I had prosecuted was making. And to me, we couldn't any longer turn a blind eye.
2: You're no longer in the, in the prosecutor's office, right? Right. How do you reflect back on that time, on that case, what you and your team were able to pull off against a lot of odds? This is a
3: case that we are proud of. Uh, We know that this was a game changer. This was a case that shifted the national narrative and certainly sent a message to survivors that this shouldn't be normalized, that their experiences matter, and that's incredibly significant. Clearly, there's a long road to justice, and there's more work to do. You know, there's other websites, and there's still no shortage of people who are being commercially sexually exploited. But this case was a huge step in the
2: right direction. Former prosecutor Maggie Krell. She is the author of the new book, Taking Down Backpage. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Rachel.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Delta Airlines. When you think about it, half the trips the world takes are trips home. Home. What we all eventually long to get back to, no matter what took us away to begin with. Those at Delta know that. Because all 100,000 of them are, above all, travelers just like you. It's why they try to make you feel at home long before you even get there.
2: Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.